of 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We'll begin in verse 3. Some people may contradict our teaching, but these are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. These teachings promote a godly life. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments, ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt and they have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Yet true godliness, with contentment, is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people, craving money, have wandered from the uh, true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to come uh, and worship you. Even on this weekend where we are celebrating the birth of our nation, Lord, we still remember who you are and what you have done not just for this nation, but for each and every one of us individually. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that it preaches to our hearts every time we open it up. Every time we give it an opportunity to teach us, Lord, you are there to guide it into our hearts and through our lives. Lord, for that this day, I ask that you would be uh, the central figure in every part of the rest of this service, Lord. Lord, that you would go with us as we uh, journey into your word today. Lord, that you would guide our hearts and our minds as we learn what you would have for us. Lord, I pray for those who are here today. I ask that you would just take away any and every uh, distraction from our hearts and our minds that we may hear from you. Lord, I pray for those who are listening to this at another time. Uh, Lord, whatever they are going through, whatever challenges they are facing on this day, Lord, I ask that you would draw near to them. Lord, guide us in your wisdom. Lord, let the love that you have for us be shown through our lives. Lord, we praise you and we honor you in all we say and do. And we ask you bless our time here in Jesus' name. Amen. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. This morning we are going to talk or at least mention astronomical amounts of money. Difficult to wrap our heads around but yet at the same time, very, very important to understand where we are as a nation. The sort of slideshow is more for 
helping you. It's a visual as to what we talk about, what we're going to talk about this morning. As you can see, it gives an indication that back in 2020, we're only focusing on that one issue this morning. That has grown astronomically, but only in 2020, during the time of the economic stimulus that came from the Federal Reserve. So we're going to look at what the meaning of, or at least grasp, if we can, what a trillion dollars looks like. The, as you can see, This is nothing more than a $100 bill. But as you want to scroll up down here, you put 100 of these together, and you get this, $10,000. Now, that's just one package of money. But if you put 100 of them together, you get $100 million. According to some of my research, now this is back in 2020, two years ago, it takes 92 years of workers, of work, excuse me, 92 years of work for the average worker to get here, 92 years. Those are 100, there are 100 stacks of $10,000 bundles in that stack of $1 million. It doesn't stop there because as you go further, now we get to $100 million on that pallet is $100 million. That couch that this fake individual is sitting on holds 46 point million crisp $100 bills. That's what $100 million looks like. Now I'm going to take you back a few years, back in 2016 and early 2017, where you might remember President Obama, in the course of night, shipped supposedly only $400 million to Iran for some kind of made-up payment. But it was later found out that the total amount was $1.7 billion that was sent to Iran for some kind of payment that was due them. Well, it takes 
Next slide, Jimmy. Here it is. It takes all of these people. It takes 3,500 average Americans working for a full year to get that, which is $100 million. Have I blown your mind yet? Oh, just wait. Just wait. We haven't touched billions yet. Oh, that comes in the next slide, Jimmy. There you go. That is what $1 billion looks like. Each one of those pallets is, if you will, 10 or $100 million, there's 10 of them. I don't believe your math skills have gone too badly. 10 times 100 should get you into the realms of 1,000. It takes 1,000 millions to make 1 billion. Not counting the couch that the lady's sitting on, but each one of these pallets is $100 million, and each one of those pallets weighs one ton. One ton of dollars. That's one billion. That's all that is. One billion dollars. During the next slide up, Jimmy. During the time of the 2020 bailout, the information that I got from what's called demonocracy, now it's supposed to be democracy, but it's demonocracy, did their research that each and every day, $27 billion was printed in 2020 and they suggest that it was nothing more than these bulldozers, five of them, pushing $27 billion into a bottomless hole. No one knows where it went. No one has an idea of where it goes. We're not finished. So when you take... Go ahead, Jimmy, go on up. That's what one trillion dollars looks like plus this plus this and this now this is going to astonish you if it was possible for you to spend one million dollars a day since Jesus was born you would not have yet spent $1 trillion. Not yet. What does it look like? Go to the next slide, Jimmy. Now, this is just the 2020 stimulus package, and this is where it all went to. 
it was supposed to come to citizens of the United States. Oh, some of it did. Let me go down the list for you. 300, 340 billion supplemental spending to hospitals, veterans, and public transportation. Then, 221 billion went to a variety of tax benefits for businesses. Five, oh, let me, before, 150 billion went to direct aid to states. This one's gonna blow your mind. 500 billion, one quarter of the whole spending package went to banks. Now you ought to be asking yourself a question, why? Remember when President Obama was president? He said, they're too big to let fail. 500 billion went to banks in order to continue loaning money. Oh, it gets, it gets real good. 349 billions, those were loan guarantees for businesses states and municipalities. When the government loaned that money to businesses, the government instantly became partial owners of that business. Oh, this gets good. 200, or 301 billion was a loan to small businesses. Anybody here own a business? Did you get any of that? Well, you just weren't big enough. Or maybe you weren't small enough. Because you're supposed to go to small businesses. Anyway. Three or 250 billion, I'm sorry. Oh, now we get to us. 301 billion were direct payments to households. I thought the 220 or the 200 trillion dollars or the two trillion dollars was supposed to go to households. That's what was propagated. We didn't get quite that much. Now it goes on. 250 billion went to unemployment insurance. People stopped working. I'm going to let the government pay me. I don't need that. Why should I work if I can stay home, cough a few times, and get money? Oh, but, but then again, 32 billion went to airlines. All of this has ramifications. Now this is only, this is two years ago. 
That's all. Just two years ago. If during the airline, during this time, as we all know, the government told the airlines that all of their people had to be vaccinated. And if they weren't vaccinated, they were fired. Or they left because they didn't want to get the vaccination. It's funny, how many flights were canceled last weekend? Anybody know? Seven thousand flights were canceled last weekend because they don't have enough people. Duh. <laughs> Two years ago, you fired them all. So where are we going with this? Jimmy, thank you for that. That's, that's as far as we're going to go. This is mind-boggling enough. Where are we going to go with it? How in the world are we ever going to be able to get a hold of this? I'm here to tell you this morning we can't. It's impossible. I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, <clears throat> but just yesterday, there was an interview held by an individual working for CNN who asked an individual who is employed by the Biden administration, really they're employed by us, about how come or what's going to happen with this high price of gasoline hitting in some markets $7 a gallon. The answer the individual gave was nothing. We're gonna to continue to pay that in order to legitimize the liberal new world. You might remember when that phrase came about a number of years ago under the president of George Bush. I don't know if it was a Freudian slip in one of his speeches, but he talked about a new world order and how all of evangelism broke out in hives. <gasps> this can't be. Well, it was hushed from that point until now. There is no hiding it. It is called the liberal world order. The defining factor of creating the liberal world order rests on one key issue, and that is global warming. And all of the money that is spent worldwide is for one purpose, to bring the total world, the whole world, on an equal plane. It's called equity. I find it interesting that all of these big sports people who wear equity t-shirts and hats 
they don't fully realize that what that means. It means the government is going to take your money and give it to somebody else. That's what's happening. And we're blinded to it. In the death of a nation, there has been no empire that has been able to continue who has spent itself into oblivion. Well, now, Jimmy, pull up the slide. Thank you. Our second installment is entitled The Loss of Economic Discipline. As a nation, the loss of economic discipline. I, I, I want to give you a little bit of historical background to how did we get to this place. In 1910, there were six of the most powerful and wealthy men of that day. They met on a place called Jekyll Island, which is off the coast of South Carolina. It's still there today. J.P. Morgan's uh, mansion is there. It's a place that you can go visit, take a tour of the mansion. That's where they met these six men. They hopped on a train from New Jersey, and at night they traveled down to South Carolina, got off that train, got on a boat, and went over to Jekyll Island. And their desire was to lay the framework what is now called to the Federal Reserve. Up to that point, there was no Federal Reserve. But the Federal Reserve did not come into, into being until three years later in 1913. The Federal Reserve Act was created and solidified as part of the federal government. From that point on, all the way up to 1971, under the presidency of Richard M. Nixon, the gold standard of backing the U.S. dollar was abolished. Up to 1971, the Federal Reserve could not print any more money than what the gold reserve stored in Fort Knox could cover. They were not allowed to do that. In 1971, because of an economic plan that Richard Nixon had that was cost at that time $4.2 billion, there was not enough gold reserve for that to take place, and so he just nullified the gold standard. From that point on, you go do the research from that point on, the Federal Reserve has begun to print money that is not backed by any standard whatsoever, only by wishes and wants. With the gold standard abolished, the printing of the dollar has grown by an unprecedented volume. According to this website, which is gura.com, on average, the United States Treasury Department prints $541 million a day. That's according to that website. I don't have the date, 
of that particular um, money. But they print $541 million a day. But I'm about to really show you something. Presently, the United States debt is at over $30 trillion. According to Peter G. Peterson Foundation, with the daily interest payment of $900 million, those statistics are wrong. If you go to what is called the U.S. National Debt Clock, you will come to understand that the interest rate now per day is $1.1 billion. Not $900 million, $1.1 billion. Remember that pallets, all those pallets? All that whole 10 pallets plus one more. Now, the unfunded liability, the amount which is the amount of future payments will be owed by the United States based on past promises for which there is no funding, none, right now sets at $170 trillion. It's unfunded. We have nothing to pay it back. Promises that are nothing more, as one individual says, as cheap as toilet paper in France. Nothing. Experts say interest will become the fastest growing part of the federal government. In 10 years, the interest we pay will nearly triple from where it is today. The government on its own created today's crisis of debt and the dangerous levels of insolvency that may very well destroy this country in the near future. Remember the promise came from our present administration who said, this won't cost you a thing. No, it'll cost you everything. It'll cost you everything. So how much, how much is just $1 trillion? It would take an individual 331,688 years counting by $1 every second, not taking a break for sleeping or naps. $1 billion it take counting by $1 every second of every day to reach $1 trillion. As I said before, if you spent $1 million a day from the time Jesus was born up to the present time, you would not have spent $1 trillion. How about taxation? One of our favorite subjects, amen? Well, the Bible speaks of taxation. 
The Bible speaks of taxation by the government as a means of providing for the common defense. You can read it in Romans chapter 13, verses 6 and 7. The money for taxes to provide for common defense. Let me highlight that one more time. I don't know if you caught it or not. It is for common defense. How far-reaching has the government intruded into our lives that does not meet common defense criteria? God said government was established for the purpose of punishing the guilty and protecting the innocent. That's why you pay taxes. In 1913, Congress ratified the 16th Amendment of the Constitution, making it legal for government to levy an income tax on the people of the nation. The initial legislation in 1913 for a wages tax exempted the first $3,000 of income from taxation. That couldn't be touched. But tax the remainder at graduated rates ranging from 1% for income up to $20,000 to as high as 7% for income over $500,000. Wouldn't we like to see that today? But today, now this is according to numbers given by the the AARP. Today, there's what is called the progressive tax structure. Presently, the income tax levels, when filed jointly, range from 10% household income of $20,550 up to 37% household income of $647,850, and I guarantee you, Anything over that, it is much higher. So what do we have? We have what's called the coming collapse. In the years following the Great Depression of the 1920s, the government was spending $4.6 of taxpayers' funds each year. Each year. Today, the United States government spends over 10 billions of taxpayer funds each day. And that is wrong. It's much higher than that. Each day. says, by any standard, no government in, in history has been so profligate as our own. That means reckless waste. And no people have ever been at a greater financial risk. All the lessons of history tell us 
that the loss of economic discipline destroys nations and people. Are we prepared for the consequence of a total economic collapse? So what do we do? You've got an options. You can throw up your hands and say, oh, well, the Doris Day song, K Sarah, Sarah, what will be, will be. I'm, I'm not in favor of that choice, by the way. The only way to turn this situation around is to get involved now and begin working for positive change. How do we do that? One way you can make a difference is to support only those candidates who demonstrate by their actions and by their record that they are committed to fiscal responsibility. How are they living now will dictate how they will live then. If they have a business and they want to get in politics, is the business running legally? Is the business fiscal? How are their households? Believe me, they've got all the information of your household. We ought to be able to get information of how are they running their household. You support candidates who are fiscally responsible. Stay informed on these issues. Watch how your national, state, and local representatives use their votes. You can write letters, make phone calls, and stay in touch with these issues. Lastly, pray. Ask God how you can be involved in getting the message across to our government officials. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, there is still time. There is still hope. The souls of men, women, and children depend on it. We, as a church, in our community, need to be not just giving handouts, but giving hands up. The Chinese Proverbs, which is very good, says, give a man a fish, he'll eat for the day. Teach him how to fish, and he'll eat the rest of his life. I'm all for supporting missionaries. I am all for helping individuals in our community. But at the same time, what could we be doing as a church to be able to help them and to lift them up out of their financial situation other than just giving them money? Can we be teaching them something? Can we be helping them with something? That's where we need to go. We need to pray. Now, I hesitate in one way, but in another way, I don't. When it comes to one evening a month to come here to pray, 
Last week, we had five. Where are you? Where are you? This is not a game. We, as a church, are held responsible for what we do. And if only five show up out of a number of 180, sometimes 200, what do you think God looks at? They're not interested. Sometimes uh, truth is valuable to bring conviction. It's only one day a month, dear people, and we get out in an hour. Come join us. What God could do with this congregation is mind-boggling if we'll get serious with him. One hour a month, that's all. We need to pray. We need to pray now. Let's pray. God, the information this morning is mind-boggling. Personally, I can't even balance a checkbook. My wife does that. I don't know the first thing about it, as I don't know the first thing about a trillion dollars. But two years ago, that was a huge commitment. And now that dwarfs in what is happening today. Oh, Lord God, if ever this country needs to turn back to you, it's now. The souls of men, women, boys, and girls depends on it. And we need your help. And the best way, oh Lord God, that we as a church can be involved is, is to search our own hearts. To hold ourselves accountable to your word. To be able to be used of you in ways that direct and lead people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, may you Allow us the privilege to see your mighty hand work in our area. May we become the example of a fire that can consume this nation with the realization that our God reigns. You be exalted, O oh God, because you are great and worthy to be praised. And may we as your people become even more involved in gaining of wisdom and insights in order that we can engage individuals in a loving and graceful conversation about issues that are facing 
that even that are causing the death of this nation, whether it's lawlessness, whether it is economic disruption, those are only two of eight more. But God, may we be used to view as instruments of righteousness, all for the cause of directing people to you. And I'll praise you and thank you in your magnificent name. Amen.